Good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome to Hangar Deception Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, we're live from Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Rex Burrow along with Dane Filling and uh, Dane. For the first time in four weeks, three weeks now, this is the uh, first time we get to talk about live wrestling results. Yeah, I got to spend the entire weekend at Goshen High School for the Goshen Red Hawk duels, and it was nice to see some action to fill in some of my spreadsheets. Boys have actual records now. Adam Central and South Adams haven't wrestled yet, but the boys from Belmont now have 10 matches under their belts, and we got a lot to talk about today. We are joined today later in the show by East Noble head coach Sam Reason and Prairie Heights coaches Brett Smith and Mike Levitz. Um, we're also going to go over some team state things and go over some of the results from this past weekend. So a good show in store for us. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to the Adam Central football team. It was a fine season. You and I had a ton of fun following them all the way from back in August. And I know I wasn't there at the finals uh, as I gave the assignment to someone else. But you had a chance to call the mat or the game, and uh, it was a barn burner. Uh, it was a good showing for the Jets. Uh, they came out... Uh Hot and heavy, and I, I think that the uh, they kind of surprised Indy Lutheran up front, and then Indy Lutheran kind of got them some things in line and uh, came back and recovered from that, uh, scored 21 unanswered points, and uh, then Adam Central was playing catch-up after that. But uh, those of you that listened to it or those of you that were there, uh, the Adam Central Flying Jets have nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, they went down there, played a very good football team, uh, had them on the ropes, and uh, a couple of miscues here and there kind of cost them the game, but... Uh, I tell you what, it's been a great season for them, and uh, they come out of it with a uh, Blake Rest Mental Attitude Award winner and Blake Hirely, uh, well-deserved. And uh, I tell you what, that was a pretty good game, and uh, any time that I don't have to sit outside uh, and broadcast a football game and you're in Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a good day for me. Yeah, I was kind of surprised at how many people at Goshen were watching the football game, but you could see it. Uh, each time a, f uh, a touchdown was scored, it was either the boys down on the mat or the parents up in the bleachers or the dads standing around the railing. You could tell that Adam Central had scored that they'd given up. And everybody, every conversation all day on uh, Friday through the second and third rounds basically was, did they score? What's the score now? How much time's left? Did they get a chance? So that, lot, lots of Belmont people paying attention to Adam Central and, and rooting them on. And uh, it was a great season. And a lot of those fo football guys we're going to see on the wrestling mat here in a couple weeks. You know, back-to-back -back, uh, years going down there with an Adams County team, uh, I, I just set the goal pretty high for Nick Hall. I told him, I said, you know, South Adams is down here, Adams Central is down here. It's Belmont's turn to come down next year. I'm, I want to work three years in a row down there. So, Nick, you got a little bit of work to do. So, Well, uh, I do want to go over what Belmont was able to accomplish this weekend after – Beating Columbia City. I don't know if you have any comments on uh, on the Columbia City match. It was a uh, it was a very nice gym. Uh, the Eagle. I'm a little skeptical on the Eagle, but we'll tell Blaine our comments on that off air. But uh, I I was surprised that that Columbia City team did not come out and put up a, a better fight. I know that you know Blaine talked about having a couple guys not where he wanted them at, but uh, uh, Belmont went went through them pretty quickly, and uh, I I don't think that. Uh, his team wrestled the way that he wanted him to. Yeah, and talking to a couple of other people, I think they think that there's a better Columbia City out there, and I probably agree with them, but certainly Belmont looked hungry. There was a little bit of a revenge factor from last year's match. You and I both remember how that ended, and so I think for a lot of guys, especially Calvin Ferrit, who had a 17 or 18 second pin 
in that match. They were ready to put last year's match to bed, say that this is a new team, and they came out and they and they showed it for Let's sure. Let's just say this. They made a statement that the rest of the NE8, uh, one of the NE8 coaches is here right now tonight, and uh, they made a statement early on that uh, Belmont's going to be a team to be reckoned with in the NE8 this year. So then headed over to Goshen then Friday morning. Uh, everybody from Belmont made weight, uh, which was a, with good news for Belmont fans. I know there's a lot of talk about Isaiah Smedley at 106, uh, a couple other guys, but Smeds made it. Smeds looked great. Uh, Austin Christner was one of the two guys who lost on uh, Tuesday at Columbia City, and he came out, wrestled great, was one of nine weight class champions that the Braves had over the weekend. Belmont went 9-0. and The most points that they gave up was 18 against Angola. Uh, D-Rob takes Via Fuerte from Angola, the state qualifier last year at heavyweight. D-Rob takes him down within 20, 25 seconds. Very impressive. Of course, Via Fuerte came back and, and got the fall, but uh, that was the only time that Belmont lost two matches on the day. Uh, everything else was either 6 or 9 or 12 points, and uh, Isaac Freet was unable to wrestle. He's dealing with some stuff. Talked to a doctor. They said, you need to rest. You need to get back in shape. And he put his foot down and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my rest. Belmont doesn't wrestle again until December 7th. Uh, he was there cheering on his teammates. He took a couple of forfeits. They did bump Duke up a couple times to 170 and plugged Aiden Miller in. Aiden Miller looked great. Had two wins, a couple of falls. Uh, Coach Myers also cycled in. Zane Botkins, who got a couple of wins. Cole Mendez looked good. He had a hard-fought match that he won at the last second with a takedown. Uh, Tate Crookerberg got three or four matches. Blake Luganbill got three or four matches as Ike Rubel went 120 on the first day. He went 126 on the second day. Uh, overall, a great, absolutely a great showing for Belmont. A little disappointing in how many forfeits there were in that tournament, but I know Coach Myers really wanted to get a Thanksgiving Day tournament uh, a Thanksgiving weekend tournament with nine or ten duels. There weren't a whole lot to choose from. So I think this is probably about the best that they could do. I do think that some of the wins that Belmont picked up this weekend are going to help them at the Al Smith for seeding head-to-heads. Not because a lot of those teams are going to be there, but because they are from that area and they will be able to pick up some head-to-heads if, if it comes down to it. But overall, I mean, obviously you can't be disappointed with how Belmont wrestled. So Aiden Miller learned a lesson from Tuesday night and brought his mouthpiece with him? He did. And then after Isaac Free uh, didn't wrestle then, Miller had to eat Friday night to be able to wrestle. <laughs> so he came in and he made his weight on Friday. And then they said, well, if you want to wrestle, you're going to have to wrestle 160. So then he had to go, he had to eat. And I think he put on three or four pounds between Friday's weigh-ins and Saturday's weigh-ins. And he I had, had the no, extra weight. So. I put on three or four pounds on, on this weekend. At, uh, on Thursday and on Friday. On Thursday and Friday. That was, that was easy. So uh, we're also going to look at later in the show the Belmont girls' results from New Pal and some other results from around the state this week. But I do want to let people know that the Fort Wrestling facility is still at it. Coach Oberlin will talk a little bit about his Homestead Spartans later in the show. But he's got a big Friday night fights. This weekend on Friday from 6.30 to 8, bring your young wrestler, kindergarten through 8th grade. And that's just $5 for an hour and a half of live wrestling. Uh, a very informal but uh, a very advantageous event to come to with your young wrestler. He did it on November 19th. He's doing it again 
here Friday, December 3rd, and it'll be going again December 10th. We interviewed Coach Oberlin earlier in the season in our show talking about what the Fort Wrestling facility is doing with young wrestlers from all over the area, really encouraging young kids not only to go to their clubs but to come and mix with kids from other clubs and, and to get that mat experience. And uh, these coaches here can attest to the fact that uh, we need to do what we can to help support that because it can do nothing but make this area's wrestling better. And uh, whether it's your team or the team that you compete against, that's the best thing you can do. So with that, the weigh-ins have ended. We're going to send it back to the studio to Steve Rouse running the board for us for a round of messages. We'll be back with our first guest here as the first period starts right after this. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Looking for a trusted name in home or farm insulation? Ted Sprunger Insulation has been taking care of families in our area since 1978. When it comes to spraying foam and cellulose insulation, Ted Sprunger Insulation can't be beat for service or price. Give them a call today at 273-5068 or at 824-3021. That's 273-5068 or 824-3021. Ted Sprunger Insulation. Brad Weber proudly supports the WZBD Wrestling Coaches Show. He also supports youth football in Adams County as a board member of the Decatur Football League and president of Belmont Cadet Football, giving our youth the chance to learn the great game of football. Some of the best football players in our area have also been fantastic wrestlers. That's why famous coaches like Joe Gibbs and John Madden always wanted wrestlers on their team. Find out more about youth football opportunities by giving Brad a call at 452-7045 or email bw at bradweberlaw.com. Welcome back to Haggard Seppner Hershey Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek, once again live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill on Dane. Tonight I went with something different, went with the pulled pork nachos, uh, definitely a fan fave. You mean we? We both went with the nachos. I went with pulled pork. You went with regular beef. Pulled pork with some BBQ on top. Uh, it was a nice, tasty little uh, snack for tonight. Well, we're joined tonight by the head coach of the Prairie Heights Panthers, Brett Smith. Brett, did you enjoy your meal tonight? Uh, yeah, I had uh, sweet teriyaki wings, some shrimp, and a side of onion rings. So. Now, Rex always says that the shrimp come right out of the St. Mary's. That's not actually true. Just I'm, they, I'm if they did, they were, the, they were the best shrimp in the St. Mary's, I can tell you that. That's so. right. Well, we thank you for making the long drive down here to Decatur. We certainly appreciate it, and uh, we hope that Sunday nights this year make it a little bit easier. Obviously, on a Monday night, a little bit more difficult with you having practice, but you've started out the season with two fantastic wins uh, any year. If we went back for how long have you been coaching at Prairie Heights? Uh, this is season 11, I believe. If you would have said... We're going to start the year off with wins at Columbia City and against Carroll Fort Wayne. You'd say, let's get this season started. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you said, we come in with Columbia City. I think Columbia City was number nine in 3A, and uh, we were able to pull off a come-from-behind victory, and then we had Carroll last Tuesday at our place. So um, that was an exciting match for our kids and our fans. And then this week you have a double duel. We saw Lakeland this weekend at Goshen, and then you've got Central Noble. And then you have your conference duels on Saturday. Correct. 
So the big one on Saturday then would be you guys against Garrett, correct? Um, actually, we see Garrett and Angola later in the season okay. in another double duel. So, um, yeah, we're holding uh, holding back till then for those guys. Okay. And then as we spoke earlier about uh, Coach Oberlin, you get to see Homestead then the following week also. Correct. So, um, you know, obviously going into semi-state, those are some pretty good matchups that we're looking forward to. And so we try to do a good job of – getting our schedule set up for guys we're going to see later in the season. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the studs on your team for this year. Um, you know, we're returning quite a few. I think we have eight seniors, uh, four or five of which are starters. Um, obviously, Sam Levitz is kind of leading the forefront there, being a state qualifier last year. Um, our heavyweight, Bailey Robinson, um, was a regional kid, didn't quite make it to semi-state. Uh, but other semi-state qualifiers, we have Hunter Allen at 220, was a ticket rounder, Caleb Lounsbury, as uh, a junior this year, was also a ticket rounder. Luke Severs coming back as a semi-state qualifier, and so is Gavin Roberts. So we kind of get lucky this year because we end up uh, right next to you for our broadcast because we're going to be at New Haven on December 18th. So we'll get to see you there, and then we'll be at the Al Smith invite for those two days at Mishawaka. And then, of course, we'll be with you at Team State as we cover the 1A and the 2A Team State uh, so we get a lot of Prairie Heights wrestling on WZBD this season. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we may have to get you guys some red and black uh, Prairie Heights gear. Well, Rex has never turned down a shirt, I can tell you that. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned that this is your 11th season as the head coach at Prairie Heights. Why don't you give us a little bit of background as to your personal wrestling story? Where did you wrestle in high school? What got you started in the sport? Those types of things. Uh, well, my background in wrestling probably takes a different path than most. Um, I grew up playing basketball, um, never touched the mat at all during middle school or high school. And we still like it for that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I was teaching at the middle school at Prairie Heights and kind of helped uh, Coach Smoker a little bit there, getting kids transitioned from the middle school to the high school for practice and whatnot. And then a few years later, he, uh, he took a position over at Angola, and we were looking for a wrestling coach, and my wife had kind of been a big instrumental part of that and i told mike and john levis that if you know i jump in with both feet i wanted those guys to go with me so um and here we are 11 years later so it's been interesting it's been a fun ride though and in those 11 years you've won how many 1a team state titles uh three three we went back to back to back a few years ago and come away with some other trophies too but yeah obviously the big one is that first place one so so uh, looking into this year, what would you say your team's number one goal is? Uh, geez, I don't know. I think a lot of them you can kind of bunch together. Uh, sectional title, conference title, uh, team state title, getting kids to Indianapolis. So, I mean, they're all kind of bunched at the top. So we're going to talk later about team state and location, but obviously team state, Prairie Heights Wrestling, Adam Central Wrestling, Belmont Wrestling, They've really been intertwined over the last 10 years, and it's really been a positive for all of those programs. Can you say anything about what having a team state tournament has done for your program? Um, yeah, I think it's been pretty big. Um, I mean, our numbers stay pretty consistent, 30, 35. Um, I think kids like to be involved in something like that that you know we can go out and compete for a state title for. And I think this year our numbers are right at 40, 41, and that's – a pretty good percentage of our our kids at Prairie Heights, um, so yeah, I think it, I think it definitely helps uh, bolster our lineup and get more kids out for the sport. Since you since you touch on that a little bit, since we're down at the football state 
uh, championships, and they had the classes, and they showed the the enrollments at uh, Indy Lutheran's at 222, which I thought was low. What is you guys' uh, overall school enrollment? Um, I think we're around 415, 425, somewhere in that vicinity. And, and what's the top end of A? Uh, man, I, I was looking at some of that the other day. I think it's right around 500, possibly. Yeah, because Adam Central's at 378, I think, yeah. is what it said in the program. You're talking about football or for wrestling? Well, overall school enrollment. Yeah, I know. I know wrestling wise, I think it's for one A is close to five hundred, but I could be mistaken on that. I think that sounds about right. But as far as football and you know basketball, I, I'm not sure what the cutoffs are. And Belmont's at right now about six forty, six fifty. Yeah, falling, falling fast. Somewhere around there. Yeah, and I think Columbia City had to move up from two A to three A. Yeah, I think if I remember right, they are either the smallest or the second smallest school. In 3A, which is kind of a bummer for Blaine. Obviously, he'd be much more competitive in in the 2A field than in the 3A field. But um, I know he's he's still excited about their team. Obviously, they did wrestle very well against Belmont last week, but I think they've got more to offer them than what we saw. Well, before we go to our break, I wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, relationship rivalry with Adam Central. Obviously, Rex and I are the play-by-play voice for Adam Central Wrestling last year. This year, we cover a lot of their matches. Uh, Team State has sort of instilled a rivalry that maybe didn't exist before. I'm trying to remember all the way going back. I don't think you guys really saw each other. And obviously, your tenure pretty much coincides with the Team State era. But it's one of those things where now those Adam Central boys know who Prairie Heights is and the Prairie Heights kids. You were talking earlier while we were eating that they were paying attention to the football game. Uh, it's a nice, healthy rivalry between the two schools. Uh, yeah, the first couple of times that we've wrestled Adam Central, 2011 or 12, they uh, they put it on us pretty good, and uh, that kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. And uh, Mike over here um, has a pretty good relationship with uh, Tony Curry going back to their days in high school. So, you know, that kind of helps smooth that transition over. But, yeah, it's been a pretty competitive um, we've wrestled a couple times for the team state title, and obviously down at Yorktown and New Haven, sometimes we cross over too. But, yeah, we like wrestling those guys. Um, they do a great job down there, um, and obviously kind of in the same same length as us. They've they've won their fair share of state titles, and obviously we don't want to let them have that one uh, here in January. Well, certainly I'm sure that it's nice to have conversations with them. Uh, two programs that are adventurous in their scheduling. They have lofty goals. They have, you know, good recruiting programs within the school where you get good numbers out and, and it's just nice to wrestle another school your size that has the same sort of mantra as as what you have yeah the, and like you said you know we don't like losing obviously um but you know when it comes down to it uh, we're going to give them everything we have when we know that they're going to give us everything that they have so it's just going to be a knockdown drag out every time we uh we step on the mat so and, and you guys your schools are kind of like they're, they're kind of urban kids they're not just a bunch of big city kids that uh, i mean they're they're urban kids. I mean, the, the Adam Central kids, you know, they tell them, you know, they're farm kids. They, they work hard. They're just kind of blue-collar kids, and uh, pretty much the way you guys are up in that, up in that corner. Yeah, um, and I think our kids like that work ethic. They like putting in that hard work, and, you know, they're used to it because a lot of them are going to go to work right out of high school. Some are going to go to the military. Uh, some are going to go to school and, you know, further their education. But those kids like that type of work ethic that we try to instill in them every day. And one of my favorite stories out of Team State, and when I talk to other people about, you know, I talk to other coaches that maybe aren't involved in it on a normal basis. They they ask, you know, is it really worth it? Or, you know, our, our team doesn't really consider it for being all that important. But I think back to, I can't remember what year it was, 
you guys had a kid who had a 500 record and Adam Central had a kid with a 500 record or worse and it was the last match and I think you guys were tied or it was within one or two points and whoever won that mat, that match was going to be the winner and was going to bring the state uh, title home to their school and I think that's what the the team state tournament's all about. Yeah, you know, when everything was at the Coliseum, you know, 1A matches typically don't last longer. There's a lot of pins and, and whatnot going back and forth, but, you know, something big is happening when when that 1A state title's on the line. The place just erupts, but yeah, uh, that was a pretty pretty wild match. I think Tony uh, probably bumped his lineup a little bit. They had a little bit more flexibility in that, but yeah, that was uh, I think that was one they took away from us, but yeah, it was a fun match regardless. That's Ryan Ashley. Ryan Ashley from Central come in and got the win. And that was at Muncie, I think, because we were down on the other end, and I could see all that commotion going on down, down the. Uh, well, you guys have wrestled each other how many times in the final? Uh, it's been three times. Probably three times, two yeah. or three times. But yeah, it's it's fun, you know. Obviously, winning's fun, but you know, I don't like losing. But you know, if we're gonna lose somebody, well, AC's not a bad team to lose to. And it's always more fun to wrestle somebody that you're familiar with, right. that there's context with, that there's a history with. You know, the first time that you wrestle North Posey and you beat them. Well, I don't really know who North Posey is, that, that type of thing. Um, I think every time that you've got that context and then it builds on each other. And now with Team State, after 10 years of wrestling each other, you have that history. Oh, I remember when we wrestled them four or five years ago, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, our last question before we go to break for you, um, you know, people always accuse Belmont of having a, uh, a stud farm outside of town where they grow bakers and fruits. But uh, uh, Prairie Heights, your, your Levitts and Barcoolios, uh, you got some of those coming in the ranks, do you? Uh, we still have two Levitz boys right now. Mike's uh, two two youngest boys. One is a sophomore, the other is a senior. Um, Barquillo name. Somebody's going to have to start stepping up their game a little <laughs> bit to get some of those through. And same thing with the wrestlers as well. So, so with that, uh, we've come to the end of our first period, and we're going to make our way in the second period after a round of messages. I'll send back to the studio, and we'll be back with uh, our second period and our second coach uh, interview, Sam Reason, right after this. <laughs> Cross Creek Golf Club in Decatur has the perfect Christmas gift for the entire family. This year, give the gift of golf. Reduced rates for next season are now available. Student memberships, singles, couples, family, and seniors are all options on the 27-hole beautiful Cross Creek Golf Course. Gift certificates from Cross Creek make great stocking stuffers. New merchandise, including sweaters and outerwear, are also great gift ideas. Stop in soon for the best selection, Cross Creek Golf Club in Decatur. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery. Heller Nursery is located in between Decatur and Bluffton on 400 West. Christmas is right around the corner. Heller Nursery has fresh cut greens and wreaths for decorating. Don't forget Christmas trees and poinsettias. Come see our wide selection of houseplants and indoor pottery. New crops are available weekly. Check out Heller Nursery's Facebook page for current selection and specials. We are open seven days a week, year round. Welcome back to Hager Sefton Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, we're live from Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. As we've made our way through the first period, now we're into the second period, and we're joined by the coach of the uh, East Noble Knights, Sam Reason. 
Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Glad to have you on the show, and uh, we appreciate you making your way all the way down here to Adams County from Noble County. Uh, you were discussing over uh, the meal. You guys haven't quite kicked off your season to a full start yet. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we had a uh, wrestler uh, test positive, one of our varsity kids, and uh, we're a little more loose this year than we were last year. We tried to keep him in pods the whole time last year and then uh, hit us pretty hard. So we had about six of our varsity guys get taken out. with. They didn't have it. They were quarantined, though. Um, so that postponed our first match against New Haven, which was supposed to be last Tuesday. Uh, and then Plymouth is their whole team shut down right now. So that was going to be our next meet. So we don't actually wrestle till the ninth against uh, Leo will be our first match. So you'll kick off the season then with Leo on the ninth, and then on the 11th you'll have your triple duel with Belmont and Norwell and DeKalb. Yes, yep. So I think it's at Norwell this year, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yes, and we were talking earlier over uh, our meals that uh, looks like DeKalb's off to a good start this season. Yeah, they've had, you know, they won middle school uh, conference last year, and they've been, you know, improving every year. And, you know, the the – Conference, you know, we were kind of talking about that we thought CC and Belmont would probably be at the top, and we're not sure about maybe with CC's performance or what they're going to shape out to be. But, you know, I think it's going to be pretty competitive the rest of the, the conference. You know, I, I think Belmont's got a really good squad this year, but that second through eight spot could really be any number of teams, and I think they're all pretty competitive teams, really. Well, we've certainly seen that in the last four or five years with the NE8 tournament, especially at the conference tournament. It's been very competitive. If you went into it thinking you could guess one through eight, you were always wrong because between uh, some years you couldn't even pick the champion, but even picking the second best or the third best team, the team you thought was going to come in and finish third, they ended up finishing 25 points out of third, but they ended up finishing in seventh. You know, that's the tournament where the guys come back in those, the guys that lose those first early rounds come back in those wrestleback points where they really score the big points, and they make a difference in a tournament if it's close. Yeah, there, I mean, there's just so much depth, too. Like, we had a 32-pounder who was a ticket rounder last year that didn't play, he went two and out at conference, and, and it wasn't, he didn't wrestle bad, he just <laughs> got beat by two good kids. Um, so, I mean, the depth is, is really there. Well, Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit about your wrestling background? We talked to Coach Smith. He talked about a little bit of an interesting coaching background. Uh, you are a Norwell High School graduate. We won't fault you for that <laughs> as two Belmont grads, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, I uh, got involved with wrestling. My dad actually was a Belmont grad. He didn't wrestle, but he was real familiar with it. And I got involved with wrestling with uh, – you know, Ed Kowalski and Ken Folks, uh, you know, when I was like five or six years old. And Brett had kind of hit on how he had kind of a different experience. Like my experience when I was a little kid, uh, I was really not good at wrestling. Uh, but my brother was. He used to uh, go back and forth with Randy Baker when they were, you know, seven, eight years old. Um, but I stuck with it and then, you know, ended up being a uh, multiple-year varsity guy. You know, I was never state qualifier or anything like that. But uh, I like to think I had a decent career and helped some of those teams that were um, pretty good at, at Norwell at that time. Um, you know, we uh, – I was thinking back to middle school. We actually – we beat Belmont. It was a big deal. It was like the first time Belmont had ever lost the middle school conference. And then they'd caught, a, caught up to us. But uh, when we were seniors, I think it was about a 15-point uh, – I was just pulling it up here. Yeah. Uh, at the 2000 – one of the last Adam Central wrestling sectionals, it would have been the second to last, I think. 2001 was the last. 2002 was when they, they changed the format. 
Belmont had 196 points. Norwell was at 188. Well, there's plenty of guys in Norwell who have uh, uh, you know, plenty of excuses for that over the <laughs> years. But, uh, you know, we still talk about that, you know, how close it was because, you know, Belmont, it was just an ex- expectation that they're going to win the sectional, you know. So, so I was trying to, to look up in my archives the, the names and the programs, and I didn't get to it today, but I'm just going off the top of my head. Guys like Danny Irwin, Jared Lewis – so that, they, they would be a little. They well, would be a little bit later after that. Wouldn't Jared they? would have been a sophomore. That was like, okay. that was my brother's class. Danny and uh, Dehoff. Mike Dehoff might have been varsity in that group, but uh, like Billy Kleinite uh-huh. would have been in that group. Brett Gerber, um, Kowalski, of course, Merriweather's. Uh, oh, um, not Erwin. I'm drawing a blank on one of the kids. Uh, but uh, yeah, we had definitely had some good teams at, at that time that, that came through, and a lot of that was just. Like I said, Ed Kowalski, uh, uh, Ken Folks, really building that youth program up. And Rod Williams, who we talked about earlier, was the head coach at that time and, you know, really came in and, and did a nice job with us. And, and uh, Eric Tucker, we had a lot of head coaches for being a pretty decent team. We had, I think, three head coaches uh, in my time at then high that's, school. That's the post-Johnny Heller era. No, it would have been the pre-John Heller era because John, John Heller was at Heritage at that time. He didn't come, oh, okay. into, he didn't come into Norwell until – until after that. But, you know, we talked about this last year as we talked about how crazy it was that we had been doing the Jay County sectional for 20 years now since that format. But, man, that Adam Central wrestling sectional used to be something. Yeah, we were talking. I mean, the, the, the fans, like students, would go and, like, take blankets. And, and, I mean, it was a full – if you look at some of the record books and stuff, they have the attendance, and it would be, have 2,000 more people than any other sectional in the state, you know. So it was uh, – uh, really a cool experience to, to get to wrestle in front of crowds like that back then. Well, then you went on and you took your first head coaching job. Was Busco your first head coaching job? Uh, yeah, I was at North Montgomery as an assistant for J.D. Mench for a year, and then I came back to uh, Chair Busco for 10 years. Well, what a great person to have as, as a mentor. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk later, I think, about some of the uh, stuff I do with the IHSWCA, and uh, a lot of that's because I was with J.D. I'm actually in his old position. He's the executive director now, and I'm the secretary, so... Uh, I got a lot of relationships uh, through JD, but yeah, I came back after a year there uh, to take over Cherubusco, uh, and I coached there for ten years. And then you were a team state champ. We were there we were. two two time. We were runners up to Adam Central the the first. And then year. you guys flip flopped. And then we flip flopped, and uh, we won it the next year. Uh, and then the weekend after, it's kind of funny. We wrestled them in just the the Adam Central Super Six, and on a Saturday, like I've never seen a crowd that they wanted to kill us that next weekend. And uh, we were able to get them again that weekend, but that was kind of like the uh, prove-it match. And then uh, just recently you moved on and took over the East Noble job. I heard you talking about Mr. Hofer uh, earlier when we were talking, but tell us a little bit about what it's been like coaching at East Noble. Uh, Yeah, I took over. This will be my fourth year at East Noble. Uh, You know, the job opened and i think a lot of people kind of assumed they had some pretty good names in there and uh like andy wool and uh and coach uh ryan pepple had been up there and uh you know they were kind of looking to, to move on when when hoffer moved on um so i got to talking to the athletic director and uh you know i uh, got offered the job and it's been a really good experience uh you know the numbers have been growing we've you know we're regional runner-ups last year we had a sectional title in there um so we haven't quite had the dual success that i kind of maybe envisioned Early on, hopefully we can get that changed around this year. But uh, our postseasons have been, uh, you know, pretty solid these last, uh, you know, three years. Of course, talking about Team State and East Noble, 
at the very beginning of the Team State era, this current Team State era, East Noble was always one of the teams in that 3A mix. Yeah. I remember they had some really good dual teams. That was the one year that they beat Belmont, I remember, mm-hmm. in the NE8 triple duel. It happened on a it, – it, it was a snowed out – do you remember that? It was a snowed out event, and it got moved to like a Tuesday night. Yep. And that's when uh, Logan Neer got his, his – the he got kicked, and the, he got his tooth knocked out. Do you remember this? Did you guys broadcast that? I'm trying to remember. I don't think we went up and did the midweek. It was probably like 2013. Because I think there was a basketball game or something like that. He ended, up, he ended up going to the doctor to try to save his tooth, and they couldn't save it. And then they, they ended up losing to East Noble by a point or two, and he, he lost the tooth anyways. And I remember him <laughs> saying that it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. He should have just wrestled. You can't forget 1989. I don't know what happened, but if you look at all the uh, – Old, uh, is that a second? Is that a second East Noble win over Belmont? It was the conference to, was Belmont, like every year from you know the sixties to whenever. But in nineteen eighty nine, and eighty nine was the first year for the NHC. Correct? I, I don't know. I just I just remember in eighty nine East. Noble, I think so. I East think, Noble won the conference. I think so. NHC was the that was the first year, and East Noble did win the very first conference tournament so. over Belmont. See, Belmont had just come off of, if I remember right, Belmont came off of back to back state titles. Hayes retired, Farouk came in, and then that 89 team was kind of down for Belmont yeah. and then lost the, lost the conference and I think might have even lost sectional in 89 also. But, yeah, I mean, East Noble's got a great, a great tradition. Yeah, and yeah. And with the numbers that you've got, that's really awesome to hear. Yeah, hopefully, uh, like I said, the, uh, our, our duels, it's just been interesting. You know, last year we were 9-9, nine and, nine and, and with the COVID year, we kind of didn't know what to expect, a lot of the meets. So I think some of our losses, that, you know, you could kind of blame on COVID, and some of our wins we could blame on COVID too, you know. So it's been up and down for sure. So on Tuesday night, we talked to Coach Blaine Culp. Next year, the NE8 schedule is changing drastically. The conference duels are going to be implemented. We have uh, a brand-new schedule for Belmont, for East Noble, for Columbia City probably. Rex had a very interesting uh, interview with Blaine Culp where he said he was disappointed in not being able to wrestle Belmont on a Tuesday night. He still wants to. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, on this format change? I, mean, I think it's, it's a huge change that's going to come to the area because it's, it's you know, eight really pretty quality programs uh, that are all going to have four dual meets available. So, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out. And, I, you know, I see positives and negatives with it, if I'm being honest. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily the slam dunk that some might think it is. I also don't think it's going to be as bad as others might think. I mean, it's going to be opportunities. And, uh, you know, I think general, general – I, I said that I was in favor of it. So I think, generally speaking, I think it would be good for the conference. So, Dane, as the uh, time clock winds down, the second period's about to end uh, – you have a uh, live read to uh, talk about the wonderful food here at the Double Eagle. All right. Once again, we're five weeks in, and you and I have eaten the same thing all five weeks. But No, uh, we'd have had gizzards tonight, but first thing she came up, she said, we're out of gizzards. And I was like, out of gizzards. come on. <laughs> but uh, come out to the Double Eagle anytime that you're hungry and uh, order the special or grab some gizzards or some nachos. The house salsa is wonderful. The tortilla chips are always hot. Uh, my wife had a salad tonight. They've got steaks some nights. They've got shrimp straight out of the St. Mary's, as you say, all of those types of things, and the drinks are always cold. With that, we're going to send it back to the studio for a round of messages. We'll be back with a third period. And uh, Coach uh, Brett Smith will also join us for that section. We'll be back right after this. DDD Maintenance and Repair, owned and operated by Shane Reynolds, has your local professionals for heavy-duty truck and diesel engine repair. 
DDD Maintenance and Repair also offers full-service sand and glass blasting for your surface restoration projects. Whether it's getting your heavy-duty truck and diesel engine running like new or sandblasting your project to look like new, we have a blast renewing the past. Give Shane and the guys a call at 260-223-5442. That's DDD Maintenance and Repair. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall. Welcome back to the Hagerstep and Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. And once again, we made our way to the third period, and we're joined by Coach Brett Smith, along with Coach Sam Reason and Dane Filling for the third period. Well, since we had Sam on the show, I thought we'd go into a little bit of a discussion about the Coaches Association. Uh, for those of us, or for those of our listeners who don't know much about what the Coaches Association does, they no longer provide a message board, which uh, all three of us probably grew up on way back in the Rex Peckinpah days. That's <laughs> been replaced by Indiana Matt. But, Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the Coaches Association is involved in for coaches all around the state? Uh, yeah, so the Coaches Association, uh, you know, is just a group uh, that is put together to kind of help represent the coaches to the IHS, uh, uh, sorry, IHS um, and, and, you know, it's to get our word out on what we'd be interested in seeing change within the sport and, and kind of, you know, I, somebody kind of told me as like a, as like a union once almost, like it's a, it's just a group of all of us working together to get improvements for the sport really. Well, I, what a lot of people probably don't realize, and as a sports reporter now and a sports editor, I realize this, that there is really a coaches association for every sport that, that works as a liaison between the athletes and the coaches and the assistant commissioners in the individual sports. So, yeah, as a secretary, um, there's a president's and secretary's meeting that each association has with the IHSAA, or, sorry, IHSAA uh, every year. And so, um, you know, it's neat to see how the different associations kind of work with them uh, and what ideas they're putting forward. But, yeah, each each sport has its, its own group uh, that represents all the coaches within the state. Well, as far as the Coaches Association goes, the biggest thing that they have taken on in the last decade has been providing a team state tournament after the IHSAA got rid of theirs. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about your role when it comes to team state? So, uh, you know, we set it up. Greg, Ratla Greg Ratliff is a former president. He's the head coach at Edgewood High School, and he's kind of taken on uh, a lot of the uh, preparation for the event, so providing the space, providing the venues, we select the teams that are going to be there. So uh, I'm actually on the committee that selects those last two teams. There's a 
fairly complicated and and uh, you know really well thought out method that they they use to pick the teams. Uh, but then the last two, or sorry, the last spot this year is a team that is being voted in off this season's results, and then there's also a wild card spot that is voted for. Um, within a, uh, a group within the Coaches Association. So certainly worth it to give a shout-out to Greg Ratliff, who's really taken uh, the brunt of a lot of the criticism, but also has taken on a lot of the work that Trent McCormick did at the beginning of this new era of making this work. At the beginning, it was convincing people that this was worth it. After three or four years, as we were talking, Brett, earlier, it, it, you, a lot of schools didn't need convinced anymore that it was worth trying for and, and wanting to compete then it became how can we showcase this event how can we make it the best event and make kids feel like they're really competing for a state title uh, i think we accomplished that at the coliseum we we, we took it to a new level uh, so very interesting to see what 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 this year will hold coach ratliff was one of those uh, coaches that knew the secret knock to your hotel room door last year to make it to that midday session of our uh, haggard septon hershey zelt wrestling weekly from the state finals and i tell you what i think that list of people want to be on that show has grown hasn't it dane don't they call you uh, and say hey it has, I make the- we are on to a, a, a two guest schedule for sure and i know coach ratliff is going to call in uh in december at some point to talk a little bit more about team state but why don't we get right into the details sam you said that you've got the the official details big news here prairie right. heights belmont adam central we're all headed to where? So Martinsville is going to be the 1 and 2A schools. And this is on January 8th. January 8th. Correct. Yep. So Martinsville for 1 and 2A, uh, which is just it's between Bloomington and, um, and Indy. Um, and then Franklin is going to be where the 3A competition is held, and Brownsburg will be the location of the uh, 4A schools. Uh, so we're just trying to find a more centralized location as a as – a, uh, association uh, Fort Wayne was a great host for all those years, but if you're coming from Evansville to Fort Wayne, it's 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 quite a drive. And so, hey, can we get an advanced layout of what that stadium looks like so that we can determine where the best angle is so we can cover one and two both? Well, have you been to Martinsville? They have a new facility, correct? So I've not been to Martinsville. Uh, Greg actually goes around. I mean, he's been to locations all throughout Central Indiana, uh, trying to find the best location uh and you know what price obviously is going to pay a role uh, a role as well um but he's been all over i've not been there but i've heard it's a really amazing uh field house that they have hey brett martinsville is not real close to uh prairie heights is it it is definitely not close to prairie heights i keep thinking that we should just wrestle it all on the school farm at prairie heights i mean <laughs> a lot of the 1a schools are from northeast indiana anyway so well it's certainly going to be interesting we have grown accustomed to the confines of the uh, the extra area, not in the main arena at the Coliseum, but the, 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 the expanded area. I can't remember Expo what. Hall. The Expo Hall. That's what I was looking for. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I am looking forward to it being a, a, an overnight trip and a little bit more of a, of a destination for teams like Belmont and Prairie Heights. I know you guys, did you stay overnight, Brett? Um, when it was at Westfield several years ago, and then I think once or twice when it was at Muncie, so... But um, you've been driving from school oh, to yeah, Fort Wayne. You yeah. haven't been seeing overnight. So no. a little bit different approach. It certainly feels different when you get into that hotel the night before. You know that it's a serious event. And uh, I, I'm certainly excited for it. Obviously, from a broadcasting perspective, we had a great vantage point 
up at the Coliseum, and we're hoping that we can make it work with Adam Central and with Belmont. But as you know, they, the they don't arena. worry about what we want. They're about wrestling and not broadcasting, well, so we kind of have to adapt a little bit. Hopefully, hopefully we can. But the details are the same as last year. It's a 12-team field for 1A and 2A. It's an 8-team field for 3A and 4A. They'll all be on track. Yes. So you'll be able to still follow them from your computer. But if you are at Martinsville, you'll only be able to see 1A and 2A. And the biggest change for this year for the field is that after last year's COVID debacle, I guess, with teams you know, just being unable to even bring a partial team to the tournament, we've now come to a point where we are going to invite the very last team here three weeks from today, basically. Yes, and Greg wanted me to point out that uh, if you are wanting to be a coach, like a team who's involved in that discussion, that they need to reach out to yes. Dane, to, to you, correct? Uh, yeah, and well, and that's just a, you know, there's only, there's only so many spots on the spreadsheet to, to keep track of everybody. And so I think one of the things that we'd like to know is who is really interested and I guess that's more from a perspective of we don't want to spend a lot of time as a committee considering teams who have no interest in accepting. So if you're borderline or maybe you're having a great year but you're not really interested or you already have your, your schedule filled, we don't want to spend time going through you know, the motions with your team and keeping track of if you're not going to accept. That doesn't mean that on December 18th that we're not going to come back and, and get an email on the 17th and they say, well, hey, we'd really like to be considered. And we say, well, you didn't, you, know, you didn't reach the deadline by December 1st. Not like that kind of thing at all. But we want to try to keep as many teams in mind as possible for who thinks that they're in line. And, you know, I, I've had this conversation with a lot of coaches. I've had it with you, Brett. I'll call Brett and I say, Brett, how good are you? And Brett will tell me, we are not a top three team this year. Don't put us as a top three team. We are fourth, or so, we are so eighth, or we are ninth. You didn't do that on your, on your magic Ouija board? You actually call and ask them if they're very good before you rank them? I do. I do. Now, I thought you just were pulling this out of your hind end. I didn't call Brett when I ranked him number one. Most coaches don't like that number one preseason ranking. I think Coach Curry actually thanked me for not considering them. But somebody's got to be number one. You guys deserve it. I, I I don't know. We'll see in uh, I think we'll you, see in January. I like to hope so, but like I think you said, you it puts a big uh, big bullseye on your back. So. Well, you can tell. I mean, if you walk around the restroom room, you look and go, "Yeah, we're number one," <laughs> or you walk around and go, "We got a long way to go to be number one." <laughs> yeah, uh, time will tell. Time will tell for sure. Well, we certainly look forward to everybody from the Prairie Heights program to Adam Central to Belmont, and I know we talked to Coach Gaskell here a couple weeks ago about South Adams. They've built their whole schedule in December specifically to get considered by December 19th. They've given themselves three or four options where they can lose one of them and they can go right on to the next one and, and try to scalp a win out of that one. And that's what they're hoping for is to be that 12th team. Yeah, I didn't realize how good they were uh, kind of projected to be this year. And they're actually joined the uh, prestigious East Noble Invite on January 8th. So, well, there you go. The prestigious That's, that's their backup plan. <laughs> oh, I see. They're in it, but if they don't go to Team State, they... Because uh, that, that gains you huge points with the rest of the state, right? Yeah, well, it's the same date, so... Uh, <laughs> well, tell us a little bit, as we go back to Coaches Association discussion, tell us a little bit about past initiatives with the IHSAA, your relationship with Robert Falcons, 
things that the coaches association would like to see happen at some point in the next few years with the with the IHSAA? Uh, yeah, so I think that there was uh, maybe a bit of a troubled, not troubled necessarily, but a difficult relationship with the coaches association in like years past. Like we're talking the 1990s, you know. And I can tell you since I've been in, uh, and, and Commissioner Falcons has been, uh, you know, in charge of wrestling. Like it's we've had a great relationship uh he really does care about you know wrestling and want to see uh, you know us put the best product out there um that we can so i can tell you our initiatives like last year we looked at uh moving from four to six to uh states or to out of the semi-states uh that one didn't pass um but there's some you know there's kind of a process to it when you propose them it's not always the first year obviously girls wrestling is kind of the big one that's on the table right now um, and then we looked at some things like, um, you know, uh, changing the weight management, which I don't know if everyone wants to hear about that around the state if they're listening on the radio, but changing that. Or, you know, a couple of years ago we had the uh, date, the two-pound allowance went in. We had that moved up. Um, so, you know, it's just there's a process to it all, and it, it doesn't always happen overnight. And a lot of times I think it's trying to get the, you know, IHSAA to see what we envision it as, but there's also, you know, money and there's time and there's you know people that they're paying that we right. have to take into account that we don't well, necessarily think let's about. be fair here on the association side you know they've got one person who's in charge of and not to to pick on anybody specific but they got one person who's in charge of boys tennis wrestling and girls golf i mean they've got you know there's nobody in this state who's adept at, at all three sports they need feedback from coaches so that they know how to appropriately uh, run those sports, and I think from what I've learned over the last couple of years is that Mr. Falcons is willing to hear. So why do you guys like? He may not understand it, but he's willing to go back to the coaches and say, "Okay, explain to me why this is so important." And I, I've seen him do that in the last year. So Dane, I, I tried to get a little backdoor information. Talked to Jason down there. There, Dane said, "Jason, has Robert told you what the state finals is going to look like on Friday? Is going to be a two session?" He goes, "He has not told me." anything well, he said, I, said, I said well he told us that uh, he kind of liked that so kind of look forward to it so let's go into uh as the third period has come to an end we're going to take a break and send it back to the studio and we'll come back for our overtime section right after these messages from our fine sponsors bowers paint studio on west monroe street in decatur is hands down the best auto body repair shop in the midwest that's why your friends and neighbors give Bowers Paint Studio a five-star rating on Facebook. Your family ride get dinged in an accident? Take it to Bowers for a free estimate. Need a custom paint job for your collectible car or motorcycle? Bowers Paint Studio is the place to go. Nate works with all the insurance companies and can help you get a loaner. That's Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur. Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery. Heller Nursery is located in between Decatur and Bluffton on 400 West. Christmas is right around the corner. Heller Nursery has fresh cut greens and wreaths for decorating. Don't forget Christmas trees and poinsettias. Come see our wide selection of houseplants and indoor pottery. New crops are available weekly. Check out Heller Nursery's Facebook page for current selection and specials. We are open seven days a week, year round. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need 
and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. Welcome back to Haggard Stephan Hershey's Yelled High School Wrestling Weekly. As uh, we've made it through the regular period and we've uh, tied the score up, knotted up, and we're going to go into overtime here. And uh, overtime is where Mr. Dane Filling talks about the busy sports schedule on WZBD this week. And I tell you what, last week and over this uh, holiday weekend, you think, ah, oh, there's nothing on. But this holiday weekend was just jam-packed with sports from end to end. Yeah, we had the high school football games, not only your call, but the other calls on um – the IHSAA Network, Purdue football, Purdue basketball, and that continues. Tomorrow night we've got the Matt Painter Show. That starts at 6.05, and then we've got the Pacers at the Timberwolves at 7.30. Then on Tuesday it's the ACC Big Ten Challenge as Purdue will host Florida State with a 7 o'clock tip. On Wednesday it's the Pacers again. Then on Friday it's Purdue basketball as they play at 8 o'clock against Iowa in the first Big Ten game of the year. Then on Saturday morning, we've got the high school basketball coaches show with Matt Converse. And then we've got girls basketball in the afternoon. If you're listening, pay attention to that. That's an afternoon game between Woodland and Adams Central. Then next week, the Colts travel to Houston to take on the Texans. And we will be right back here at 7 o'clock for High School Wrestling Weekly. Next Monday, we've got the Matt Painter Show, Pacers. And then we don't have a broadcast, wrestling broadcast, until all the way next week, Tuesday, December 7th. How Belmont could that be, Dane Filling? How could that be? Well, we were supposed to have Belmont and Adam Central, and because of football oh. success. We'll give them that one. It got, it got moved out. So now we did have one call-in question during the break, and I wanted we don't to take, put this to We don't you. accept call-in questions. Uh, we still don't have details for weigh-ins, correct? I did just get them. So okay. uh, it says, just... Like normal, and I had asked if it will be like satellite weigh-ins, and he said, "Sorry, um, it will not. It will not be. It will be the morning of, just like normal." So. Okay, so we will have morning of weigh-ins. Of course, there's another wrench to throw in there for the schedule, as the girls' regional is that Friday night, January seventh. So for Andrea Hernandez, Trinity Coin, for the Belmont coaches, for the Decatur Daily Democrat sports editor. That'll be Friday night at Maconaqua High School, one of my favorite places on earth, and then a middle-of-the-night drive down to Martinsville for 9 a.m. wrestling. While we're talking about girls, coaches, why don't you touch on your girls' teams that you have right now, what kind of prospects you have coming out of the girls' ranks? Um, we, we have uh, six girls, so we've uh, had a pretty good, uh, pretty good number. We had four last year. We're up to six this year. Um, we were at uh, New Palestine on Saturday and, uh, you know, finished kind of middle of the pack. There, there's some, they were all, you know, girls who started as either sophomore or, sorry, freshmen or sophomores. They all started wrestling. Um, but, yeah, we've got some pretty decent ones. Uh, Trinity actually wrestled in the uh, semifinals, uh, one of our probably uh, one of our top girls, and uh, beat her 7-2. to two. So it was a, uh, you know, pretty good match. And we really, you know, felt like our girl uh, went out there and wrestled hard. But, you know, it's awesome to see. Uh, 
you know, how it's growing and how much. So, uh, Yeah, we have just one at Heights this year. She's a freshman. Um, she's wrestled for us, I think, the last two years in junior high. Um, so, obviously, we're still trying to promote that more and get more girls out. I talked to a coach in our conference a week or so ago, like after high school season, they're going to put on a camp or clinic for girls interested at their school. So, I think that would be something that we can look forward to, too, is just try to get them by themselves uh, up in the wrestling room. And well, kind you of have to do like that. what Belmont did. You have to find two girls. They come in pairs. they got to have a workout partner about your same weight. Um, another girl from Belmont wanted to come out this year, and they told her, you got to go find a partner. Yep. <laughs> it's, yep. it, you're not going to come out and get in a three-man group because you're not the same weight. you got to have a partner. She did. Went and found somebody. Yep. Yeah, definitely, and that makes a big difference, and that's something that the coaches have talked to her about. And uh, we'll give a shout-out to Myra. She wrestled in her first-ever tournament this weekend and got herself a win, and I know that Coach Razzo was really excited for her to take that step. You know, it's one thing to have a partner, somebody who's your age, who's your talent level, who's your weight that you can practice with. But it's another thing to go out and say, I want to do this. I don't have anybody to help me. I don't have anybody to practice with. But I still want to show up here, and I want to do it. And I'm, I'm excited about how supportive the Belmont coaching staff has been in helping her. So, coaches, um, we've talked about on our show each week, uh, maybe bring your spin into what you think um, coaches and a coaches association has to do to uh, get in Mr. Falcon's ear, the commission, say, this is what we'd like to have. And like Dane talked last week, what's it going to take? What's the goalpost? Set a goal. If we meet it, then we do it. Don't keep moving the goalpost, but what's it going to take to get there? I'd say on our end, uh, we were pretty excited, really, with the way. I mean, obviously – we wanted it. We proposed it to be a varsity sport. That's what we were hoping to have happen. But the fact that they changed the verbiage of like what it means to be an emerging sport was really a, a big deal and allows us to you know possibly become a varsity sport. So you know, I I, I personally uh, you know have the impression that that it's heading in that direction. Uh, I mean, it's kind of obvious that it is. It's just like when. Will it happen? Uh, you know, and like the title, a lot of people talk about like Title Nine and stuff like that. And it, it works differently for college than it does high school. Um, so it, it's not necessarily a Title Nine issue, although men's volleyball and like um, it was the main one that they've talked about. If they've added one, a lot of people think they have to drop gymnastics. That's not the case. Like if they add, they can add girls wrestling without adding anything else. Uh, it, it wouldn't be a Title IX issue on that end. So, Brett, you have one girl out. Is that something that you and your coaching staff are willing to support and promote and kind of go out and bring more girls out? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously growing. I know we had a JV tournament just the other day, and I know East Noble brought a bunch of girls, and I think there's a couple other schools that had a, a decent handful, and I think if we get more girls involved, it's just going to kind of trickle down and we can start absorbing more of those girls that are walking the hallways. Well, Sam, like you said, uh, at New Pal, there was 100 and how many? I think it was 133. I mean, if, if you were there, I mean, it's, it's really awesome to see just how big it's, it's getting. And well, that's bigger than the regional was last year. It, well, and I, I don't know, like on, like, on that end of it, like, like how they're, what their preparations are going to be. But, like, 138, they needed to do two 16-girl you know, brackets. Because of the limit of so many matches per day. Yes. So at the regional, I don't know exactly if they get, if they, you know, if there's 32 138s that show up, I'm not exactly sure you know, what they're going to do. What they're going to do with that. Well, guys, we've uh, reached the end of the overtime period. We'd like to thank Haggard Sefton and Hershey Zelt uh, for being our host. Also, fine sponsors, Ted Sprunger Construction, the Brad Weber Family uh, Fort Wrestling Facility, 
and also Defense Soap that sponsors our uh, podcast section. And with that, the WZBD uh, live radio section has ended. I'd like to thank these two coaches and our crowd for coming out to be with us. And uh, with that, we're going to sign off and uh, tune in next week at the same time for uh, Haggard Sefner Hershey's Elt High School Wrestling Weekly. Thanks, Steve. We'll just go right into podcast. Well, real quick, before we get back into our discussion with these guys, I did want to touch on some of the Belmont results that we didn't get to during the regular broadcast. did want to give a shout-out to Isaiah Smedley, who sits now this season at 10-0. A lot of guys all week were saying Smeds isn't going to make it. He's not going to make 106. Why did he even wrestle off at 106? And Jeff Ronzi was sitting right behind me, and I told him, hey, man, he made it again, and he made it with ease. He had five or six tenths that he had to go, and... He's 10-0 now, and so good for him for getting that done. Obviously, Ike Rubel is also 10-0. Calvin Farrell came through with, I think, uh, of the nine matches, he had eight forfeits or forfeits and falls. Doby Litchfield is still 10-0. Gavin Davis did pick up the first loss of, of his season, but he's 9-1. Garrett Manley, Duke Myers, they're still 10-0. Henry Kukulhan, um Picked up just one loss, but he's 9-1, and one, and Keegan Martin is still 8-0. So a really good showing for Belmont over the weekend. The one other piece of information that I wanted to get in before we got into our discussion was that the ACAC duels draw is out in round one. It's going to be Jay County against South Adams on Friday night down at Jay County. Adams Central will wrestle Woodland, and then Heritage will wrestle Bluffton. Then in the last round on Friday night, it's going to be Southern Wells against South Adams. Jay County will wrestle Bluffton and AC will wrestle Heritage. Then Saturday morning for our coverage on WZBD, it'll be Southern Wells and Woodland, South Adams versus Bluffton, and Jay County against Adams Central. So Rex and I will be there right early, bright in the morning, um, 9 a.m., or do they start at 8.30, traditional Jay County starting time? I'm not sure. But then we'll also cover what's called round four, then the second round of the Saturday morning. That'll be Southern Wells versus Bluffton, Woodland versus Heritage, and South Adams versus Adams Central. Two great rounds there for Adams Central as they get to wrestle Jay County and South Adams, what I think are probably the two best teams in that conference outside of them. And then there's more action the rest of the day, round five, round six, round seven. That's all coming to you live from Jay County High School, Friday, December 10th, and Saturday, December 11th. So going back to our discussion, I guess, um, when it comes to the the... Coaches Association side of things. Obviously, Team State, a venue change. I think a lot of that has to do, and, and I'm not fully in discussion uh, with everybody, but you know, people tend to forget that it is, it is the Coaches Association who is putting on this tournament, and it is ultimately the Coaches Association who is responsible for paying for this tournament, and it's also then the Coaches Association who is really liable for taking a loss if there is a loss. And I think people need to rem remember that. Sure, it's great to have it at the Coliseum. Um, you know, the IHSAA, they host their event at Banker's Life or Gainbridge or whatever it is now, but they've got a pretty big pocketbook, the IHSAA is. The Coaches Association, not so much. Yeah, last year I think we did take a loss on the, on the team state, actually. And then uh, the middle school state was like the one where we, we – made a lot of the a lot of our money back so uh but yeah they we did take a loss on it last year i believe so i guess in my discussions and i've had this with multiple people who've complained about the venue change and i said well what happens if team state does lose ten thousand dollars like where does that money come from who who literally writes the check to cover that 
yeah, JD's I, retirement fund. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't know who actually covers that. And so that's something that you guys, as officers, you really have to be cognizant of to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, and last year, I mean, Jake O'Neill pulled the. Uh, the middle school state together. Uh, it was at the Coliseum last year, I think. I'm not 100 percent sure. On that, I believe it was. I think it was at the Coliseum last year, and uh, and he really, you know, kind of saved the day because he was able to bring, uh, you know, quite a bit of funds with uh, that tournament, and that kind of stopped us from uh, losing as much. Yeah, and once again, you talk about the IHSAA. Those guys are salaried employees of the association. You guys are volunteers with two other additional jobs, and you're also responsible for making sure that you cover all of your costs. Yeah, There's I, a lot that goes into hosting this tournament, and I think sometimes we fall into a habit where we appreciate the Team State Tournament, and then we also think that, oh, this is just going to go on forever. Like, we've got this thing set up. It's going to go in, in perpetuity. No, there's a lot of work that goes on to make sure that this happens every single year. Well, I know to, to get to Fort Wayne, like, J.D.'s there, but for, for Danny or uh, Jake O'Neill when, when he was the president or, or Greg, I mean, it was tough for them to uh, get up there that weekend. Uh, you know, I can speak for myself. I mean, we have a tournament that weekend, you know. So it's just like it's tough to, to, for everyone to get there. Um, and not that having it in separate locations makes it any easier, but like in a more centralized location I think makes it easier for, you know, the entire state as opposed to just the Fort Wayne area, which, you know, we wrestled when I was at Busco. We wrestled when it was at Fort Wayne. It was, it was awesome, you know, not having to, 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 you know, travel down to central Indiana. Um, but, you know, I think just having a centralized location just is better for, you know, the entirety of the state. Well, when you're hosting it at a high school, too, you know that you're, even if you do take a loss, even if some COVID restriction comes out a week before and you can't have any fans, you still know, well, this is all we can lose. It's yes. whatever we had to pay the officials, what, you know, those types of things. Whereas, I don't know what the rental agreement was at the Coliseum, but I'm sure it was several thousands of dollars to, to get that place ready to go. And, and you were going to get charged no matter, no matter yes. what. And, you know, they were looking all, like, they've looked at locations, you know, Grand Park or, you know, just all sorts of different locations that it could be at. Um, and, and, you know, the, with, the price, with the price and, you know, uh, logistics of it all, like it seems like the high schools are easier to, to make it work. Yeah, and certainly worth pointing out how much work was done over the last nine months to come up with locations at work. Oh, yeah. There have been a lot of locations that have been vetted and it's been discovered this isn't going to work. This isn't, this isn't going to work uh, money-wise. It's not going to work logistically, those types of things. But still, somebody's taking that volunteer time, whether it's Greg, whether it's JD, whether it's another uh, association officer. There's a lot of work that goes into it, and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, Greg and Jake. And, uh, you know, the ISWA is, is also, like, involved. You know, they don't pick the final location, but they help uh, kind of work hand-in-hand with the coaches association on, on a lot of our uh, uh, events that we run, uh, like with track wrestling and things like that. So the ISWA uh, is definitely, uh, you know, a, a big help for us in trying to run these, you know, really large events that, that we put on. Yeah, and ladies like Pat Culp and Mary Free and the people who really set up the wiring and the computers and all of those types of things in the databases. And I know Pat Culp is really the first person who knows what the seatings are outside of the seating committee because – she needs to be working on it immediately to get those things done. And th- there's definitely a lot of work in the background. Yeah. She's also running the prestigious East Noble Invite that day. So, 
at really? the same time. Yes, she's that good. So but you're you're reaching ECIC levels yeah. of prestige there. That's right. That's right. Does Does Kenny have his ECIC shirt on today? No, no he doesn't. No. no. <laughs> Maybe we can get an ECIC shirt for us if Eric's listening for one of our shows. Come out. You'll take all the swag again. <laughs> well, we're also joined here on the pod by assistant coach Mike Levitz. Welcome to the show. Thank you. We finally put a microphone in front of you. <laughs> um, so do you feel that the Prairie Heights crowd will be able to travel down to Martinsville as well as they do to Fort Wayne? Probably not quite as well. Uh, I think the dedicated ones will make the trip for sure. Well, I know that from my experience of covering 1A for the last 10 years now down at Team State, they are the loudest and biggest crowds. Yes, for sure. sure. For sure. Uh, and we've seen that not just from the Adam Central and the Prairie Heights and the Northeast Indiana crowds, but some of those Southern Indiana teams have, have brought a decent crowd too. Maybe they end up traveling a little bit better to Martinsville. We don't know. Hope so. North Posey, Tell City, those types of schools had very good showings the last couple of years and brought a decent amount of crowds. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I certainly, as a wrestling fan, foremost, I missed the opportunity to watch the 4A teams in the same venue as ours. I know as you guys as coaches, especially at the Coliseum, you're way down there behind the curtain sometimes. Don't get a chance to really see what's going on at 4A. But I guarantee when you guys are on a break or you're in between matches and you know modern day is wrestling cathedral and you hear a roar you guys know what's going on yeah there's there's been times like i said we especially a couple years ago it seemed like everything was trying to stay on the same schedule so 1a would be finished up for the next round so we'd venture down and like you said see the warren centrals and modern day and cathedral and all those schools because that's i mean exciting to watch also well certainly you'll still be able to follow those if you're a fan on track but it won't quite be the same of being able to sit up in your top perch up there in Bruce Teamy land and to be able to see all four classes happening at once but uh, it is what it is it it it's a great event and once again I would urge everybody to to hold their criticism until they really consider how much work is being done to make all four classes happen the coaches association listened to criticism on the three class formation they added the fourth class which really was just a split of 3a but if you talk to those 3a coaches last year's tournament was so competitive uh, of course the seating committee got it wrong and east central was your eventual champion but it was a really competitive tournament and from first place to fifth place really last year was super super tight and i would expect that to be the same way this year and i think it's been a, a welcome addition to the event yeah, I mean, the I wasn't there a lot the last couple of years. Like when I when we wrestled at Busco, like it was always one of my favorite parts was getting to see those big schools and like you know here I am at Busco and I'm wrestling in the same event for the same championship that you know Evansville Modern Day is. You know, I think that really gave it a lot of legitimacy. And we kind of talked earlier about how it's you know become a state like really a state championship. You know, uh, like when we won, we it was the second year we didn't know like. Do you hang the banner in the main gym or, like, do we get rings? What do we do for it? And I think that that's the, you know, what people do now. Everybody gets rings, you know. So uh, what, do you, what do you guys do? Our banners are hung in the gym. Uh, last couple of years, the boys have got rings. It's a big deal to these smaller schools. Uh, talked to it with Timmy a couple of years back. It gives an opportunity. You guys are giving an opportunity for the smaller schools. You know, trying to go down there to compete with Cathedral, Matter day, and then when you're a 
two, three hundred kids school. I mean, it's it's very hard to go down there and compete at that level. You know, they walk in a wrestling room every day and they're wrestling state champions for practice. You know, we get to do that when we go to Mishawaka, different schools like that. Uh, it's just a big difference. You guys are providing a huge opportunity for the boys. Thanks. Yeah, and I, I, I think everybody has embraced it that same way. And I know in the very first year or two, there were a lot of schools who were like, ah, I'm not really sure how this is, you know, you guys are printing team state, you're printing state champion t-shirts like is that really what this is but by year three year four everybody realized yeah this is and and it's not an all-in thing it's not like some of the other sports in indiana where everybody has a chance to jump in but really these are the constraints that 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 we're in because of what the state association has done for us and if you really look at it and you talk about what you know and bj froat's a guy who who loves to talk about this there's 32 high schools in Indiana who get to compete for a 6A IHSAA state title. There's no reason that you can't consider your 100-team field in 1A to be legitimate. There's, there's no reason that Prairie Heights shouldn't feel that they are the 1A team state champs. Right. There's 96 or 98, or I don't even remember what it is, 99 teams in your class. You've chosen the top 12. Nobody's been left out, and you beat everybody in a legitimate tournament it needs to be treated like that i think in the in the beginning it, people kind of said oh it's the coaches association state finals like it it kind of didn't have the same bite to it as it did. but like i said that lasted two three years and when i went to the coliseum it felt like a state championship and i think that whole mystique of uh it's only a coaches association state championship that went away it's the team state championship period I mean, back in the day when it was sponsored by HSAA and it had the had these series that kind of went up and you had to wrestle on a Wednesday night and it it didn't really have the same umph then because it seemed like an afterthought. This here, because it's set up 12 teams, same place, bracket, wrestle up through, that seemed like a real state championship versus that other one you wrestled on a Wednesday night and then you'd wrestle another. It just didn't seem like a real tournament uh, so to speak. Well, and one of the problems with that was just because it was all in and it was so lopsided and because the IHSAA loves to do everything from a regional perspective where, you know, each corner of the state is represented and, and there's, you know, 206 teams in the northern half and 206 teams in the southern half and they work their way through that you ended up with a lot of really uncompetitive matches and I think that's what what was the difference back then. But now... Having 12 teams, I think we've, from originally starting with eight, it was eight expanding class. to 12, I think we've discovered that for the most part, you could probably make an argument for one or two years in the three classes over now 30 state titles that we've handed out, or 32, but we haven't really missed anybody. Now, there may have been a, there may have been a team state title or two that should have been won by a team who declined. But that was on the team who declined, not on the tournament itself. Well, I think back in the day, the IHSAA dropped it because they said they were not making money. And maybe if you string it out over a two-week period or three-week period to set up state finals, yeah, maybe you weren't making money. And it was all, all these different locations around the state, and they were trying to fund these different regionals. But if you put it in one place, I think that you know if you can fill the Coliseum, you can make money. So the idea that, oh, you're going to drop it because you're not making money – They've kind of put that aside, and right now they're not saying, gee, should we have this year's year because we can't make money? No, they're scrambling to find places to have it because they want to have it that bad 
to make sure that they actually pull this off versus, eh, we don't know if we're going to make money on it or not, so we're not going to do it. Well, I think that part of the problem is the IHSAA wants to paint every sport with the same brush. And they want to have every tournament be all in from the start at the very beginning, but then they also want it to make money. Well, I guarantee you that if they only did the tournaments that made money, uh, there wouldn't be as many state tournaments to begin with. It would be like the old days where football just played football and then they were done and that was it. There are plenty of sports that aren't making money. Um, and so I think you're right. It, it is kind of a struggle because if they would change the format a little bit and take some of the teams, and we've talked about this, you know, it's been six, seven years now once we really, and, and you and I went back and forth on this maybe four or five years into this, who do we consider for this when we're classing it? Do we consider the teams that have one wrestler or do we consider the teams who are really trying to compete as a team? And I think that was the problem was in that old team state format, you had teams who really didn't even consider themselves to be dual meet teams who just happened to fall into the advancement. Oh, crap. We won regional. I guess that means we've got to move on to, to the next level type thing, whereas those teams didn't even really want to be there. And I guess... Once again, every sport's unique, and you find that out. And I, I joke with kids all the time about writing, you know, covering every sport that there is in high school. I laugh all the time at some of the swim kids, and I say, you guys leave your meet. You don't even know who won. And they're like, well, it's not really a team sport. Like, like I knew what I wanted to win, and I knew I won my 400. Like, I didn't know what the team score was. Wrestling's like that at some schools where they're not really concerned about the dual meet portion. Yeah, you know, going from Busco to East Noble, that's one thing that's, like, been a little bit of a struggle is the kids at Busco were all about, like, you know, winning duels and, and going for the team. And at East Noble, it's not like they don't care, but it's, it's just that it doesn't have that same kind of uh, importance that it did at Busco. And a big part of that was the team state. Like, the fact that we were challenged for, you know, state titles, you know, made people want to push to, you know, win for the team not just for themselves. And, you know, right now it's like, you know, we want to win because we, you know, want to win, but it's not that we're challenging for state titles right now as a dual team. Well, Brett, does that make you, if, if you're one of the leading teams in 1A, does that make you go and look for that spot that you know is weak and you say, I need to fill a 145-pounder and I really don't have somebody and I need to build this team strong tournament, you know, dual meet team that – in, in a past, maybe they okay, I got four guys that are going to go to state versus I need 14 weight classes that I can win a dual meet tournament with. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I mean, we were kind of down in a couple weight classes. So I'm like trying to pull 106 pounders, you know, boys, girls, it didn't matter. Get your 10 practices in and let's fill it. But uh, this year's a little bit unique. Our numbers are about the same as the Snowball 40-41. So we've got that depth. But, you know, there for a few years, you know, we were – trying to pull kids and we'd get kids come out that come out as juniors or heavyweight never wrestled until last year and i think a lot of the football kids that wrestle for us and uh, they were doing a good job of recruiting too because it's important to them to get that banner put up and to, to get that big trophy and team state rings so maybe a big question here for you but projecting out let's say it's 2032 and we're sitting here at the same table eating the same saint mary shrimp drinking the same drinks and team state's the exact same as it is this year. Are you guys satisfied with that? We're still going. We have, we have no regrets about going anywhere. I so, mean, as far as team state goes, if it's still the same format, it's still the same format, we're still going to go down and compete. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how realistic it would be if, like, for the, you know, I, IHS double, I can't talk tonight. <laughs> the IHS double A to, uh, to take it over. I mean, I think that that, there's still some that would like that. I think other people like the fact that we can kind of run our own thing and set it up how we want. I think you kind of alluded to, like, if it's an IHS double A event, it's everyone's all in no matter what. Where this, we can kind of, uh, pick and choose and make it look uh, kind of more like we want it to. And I know you alluded to, like, we, we had some debates about how many, like, if teams that, you know, if you have a team, should that count as part of Class 1A or should there be a minimum number of wrestlers? Uh, and I, I think as we've moved on, we've kind of not necessarily gotten away from the, like, the original thought was if the IHSWA ever takes it back. Adopts it what that would be like. I don't necessarily think that's the case. So I think I can make that determination. They are totally content with the coaches association run it. They want nothing to do with it. Once they gave it up back in the day when the team state went away, it was never coming back. Unless somebody else stepped in to do it, it wasn't going to come back. And I think they're totally content letting you guys have it. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. And I, I think we've seen now that like we've kind of changed the format more uh, to kind of fit what the wrestling community wants and i think that the changes have been good so you know i don't know of any changes um you know off the top of my head that i can think of that well i think the big part of that is with dane you know seeding it like i said in the old days if you happen to win sectional and you happen to go on you just fell into it and it may not have been the best match if you come in 12 teams and it's seated legitimately and it's going to have 12 teams that are going to wrestle competitively that's a lot different than somebody just getting blown out on a regional on a wednesday night and you advance to the next December state because you just happen to win their sectional i mean it's not a good tournament team versus a dual meet team well it was decided too by the you know sectionals which is an individual tournament and then you all of a sudden have to have your dual meet team out there and that was another problem was that some schools wouldn't put their you know top lineup out there and i, I think that was one thing that really soured the uh IHS AA on it. They actually put a rule in place. If you forfeit that weight class, in that, then you have to forfeit it the following week after so that you did just send your B team and, and didn't put all, all effort into it. Oh, really? I didn't realize that, huh? So, yeah, I mean, that was definitely a problem is that, you know, teams are putting the, the individual tournament ahead of the team tournament, and the time that it ran at was also, I think, uh, you know, difficult. I, we did have a some We had a proposal a couple years ago where we looked at, doing a three-week state tournament and trying to add back in the team state beforehand. Um, and I don't think it really got too far. Um, but, you know, there are people who've, who've thought that might be an option. So, I mean. Well, I know I, I've had conversations with people who've talked about, and it depends on what sectional you're at, but sometimes it feels like that regional week could be changed so that it was a little bit more competitive. I know at our regional, and maybe it's just because of where we are in the state, but it sure feels like you could look at that regional bracket, 56 matches, you could guess 51 of them, and 47 of them are falls. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, if we could just take this sectional and this sectional, put them together in one big tournament, seed it, and just go directly from that into semi-state, we could sail, save ourselves a whole week of that, of that postseason. And maybe that would be a place where you could implement something. But I really think that our current format is going to stay the same unless – the IHSAA goes into a wholesale change and decides to class golf, track, uh, you know, tennis, yeah. wrestling, and all the other individual sports. Yeah, I think that's one thing a lot of people, like the 
when we talked about the associations, it's like you they're like literally the individual sports meet one week and or one year with them, and then the team sports meet one year. So it, it's too like they're treated completely differently in how they're governed. Uh, and, and so like when we've talked about class, anything class automatically makes you a team sport as opposed to an individual sport. And like they just they're completely governed different differently uh, depending on, on how you're classified. Yeah, and a lot of people just don't understand how the association works. You hear a lot of suggestions on Indiana Matt. Well, they should do this. They should do that. It's like, no, the, literally they are never going to do that. So you don't even need to discuss it. It's like people discussing uh, that they should reseed at state or they should, like, the, the IHSAA is never going to do that. There's no reason to even have these conversations. Sure, you can have it in your discussion board on a different thread, but there's only certain things that are, that are possible with the IHSAA. And you've had more discussions than I have with even Robert Falcons, but the association at large, Joe Caprino and I talk about it. Once you read some of these other minutes and you look at what other sports have, have proposed, the IHSAA is going down a straight highway. They are not taking very many exits on anything. No, and, and, the, and the way they kind of work through things, like their wording, it, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, like sitting in court, really. I mean, it's like listening to lawyers talk the way that uh, they kind of uh, come up with the, their reasoning behind things. And it's not necessarily that it's, you know, incorrect reasoning or that they're trying to, like, you know, treat people incorrectly in any way. It's just like the way that they work to try to treat all of the sports the same, whether it's an individual sport or a team sport. Well, I think we've had our conversations with Mr. Falcons, and we've come to realize that when Mr. Falcons has an idea and he's made up his mind, that is the way it's going to happen. There's not a lot of negotiation with that, and that's pretty much what you're set with. Yeah, and one thing that I've also realized is that the, the board of directors prides itself on the fact that Indiana is different. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, and they, or they, they dislike it. Well, it doesn't matter if you dislike it or not. The, the, the board of directors appreciates the fact that Indiana is different. And so if your argument is, well, we're the only ones not doing that, what, they're like, well, yes, that's, that's the way we want it. We want Indiana to be different. Well, we thank these coaches for coming in, and uh, we're about ready to wrap up the podcast page. So a uh, round for each one of the coaches, your last uh, kind of comments before we wrap this up for the week. Um, you know, I just want to say thanks for having us on. Uh, you talked about live night at the Ford. I guess I'll give them another uh, shout out. Uh, you know, my kids have been doing it, and uh, we've been going up to the Ford a lot with with uh, my little guys. I got a six year old, an eight year old, and they or I forgot my four year old, four year old, <laughs> six year old, and eight year old, and, and uh, they go up and wrestle. And the live nights have been great, and then the stuff with the hammers has been awesome. And uh, so you know, uh, and, and Wade, we did Wade's tournament today, and so you know, I think that both of those. Uh, groups are really helping Fort Wayne uh, and, and going to be great for the future. So if you can get out to Warrior, get out to the fort, you know, get out there and, and, and wrestle in it would be what I would say. Yeah, thanks for uh, having us down. And we kind of talked about that on the way down too, going to the fort, uh, going to Warrior Lead and all that. So hopefully everything just kind of keeps growing, getting bigger for the Fort Wayne semi-state. And we're just looking to stay healthy this year and we'll catch you guys uh some other events. Yeah, we're going to see you at New Haven and then again two weeks later at Mishawaka and then again at Team State. And you're going to be there for the pizza at the uh, Al Smith seating. Absolutely. It's always an entertaining. <laughs> Can't wait for that one. Event. Be a long night again. Event for sure. And I, I have heard, the last I heard, that there are 33 teams 
invited this year, so that might throw a little different... Uh, 33-man bracket. It's uh, Well, I assume they'll just throw <laughs> two forfeits into a pigtail and just <laughs> run it off of the margin, but we'll have to see. Oh, he doesn't have a mic. Well, uh, thanks to <clears throat> Hanger Sefton Hershey Zelt. Uh, I'd like to thank Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. I'd like to thank all of our fine sponsors from uh, Ted Springer, Brad Weber, uh, Fort Wrestling Fil Facility, and Defense Soap. You didn't have any soap to hand out? I know. I, for I, f I forgot it. They're a sponsor, though. We are a sponsor for our podcast section. And So once again, tune in next Sunday night for the uh, Hager Sefton Hershey Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly. And uh, keep tuning in that podcast because uh, Joe said that yeah, we were like 500 hits on the podcast last week, I think. And uh, thanks to Dave Nathan for getting that up. I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for running aboard for us. And once again, tune in next Sunday night.